Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Mark 10, verse 28. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Do we have any folks that are like that in here tonight? Folks that are willing to leave all and follow him. Leave everything. Follow him. Some of you maybe already have done that in the past. So Peter says, look, we left everything to follow you. And so Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. I like this. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold when he gets to heaven. No, 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 no. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now, in this time, in this life, a hundredfold? My goodness. Let's just back up and look at that again. Jesus answered assuredly. I mean, absolutely. This is positively. This is the truth. I say to you. There is no one, so it's not just about you, Peter. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses. It's amazing how religious people just skip over these kind of things. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. And in the age to come, in the next life, eternal life. So notice, God has things for us in this life. He's got big things for those who are disciples of his. Those who are willing to give all that they have. Give everything they have to him. To give up all. To follow him. He says, you're not getting out of here without being rewarded for it. You are going to be rewarded a hundredfold. And it's now. See, it's not, it's not just in the future. But now, houses, lands, material things. As well as mothers and brothers and sisters. And of course, we see that by having a church family. By leading people to the Lord. As we... Cause people to be birthed into the kingdom of God. We have ourselves spiritual children. 
So there are spiritual children for you to produce. There are spiritual brothers and sisters that are to be multiplied to you in your life. So no matter what you leave and what you give up, God says it's coming back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He's going to take care of you, not just in the world to come, but right in the here and now. That's an amazing, amazing promise. What God has for us who have left all. I mean, I left all to go to Bible school. I was very comfortable in New York. That's where I had been raised up. Didn't know any other place. And yet the Lord here is now dealing with me about leaving and going out to the flatlands of Oklahoma where the tumbleweed go by. And I'll leave the big city, you know. Go out there and go out to Oklahoma. And and there were some folks I had to leave. In fact, I had to leave this woman that uh, I was quite attached to and had been attached to for a number of years. And I had to leave her. But glory be to God, I got her back. (laughs) And now we're married. Amen. Amen. I had to lay my Isaac down, but I got her back. And there's things you have to lay down. I lay down. I left all, followed him, followed his plan. He's promised a hundredfold return on it. He's promised a hundredfold return on it. He's promised a hundredfold return on anything that or anybody you had to leave or you let go of or you gave away for the gospel's sake. God keeps good records. He's not unjust to forget what you have sown, what you have given for his name's sake. Now, you got to get up, put that connected to this scripture. That reward isn't just when you get to heaven. See, the devil wants to help the church just put everything off into heaven. And, and, and so we don't receive any of these promises now in a time when it affects him, when it affects the devil. See, he just put it all off to heaven. But God wants us to be in faith about right now. Right now. And a hundredfold, glory to God. That sounds big. That sounds big. So somebody say, God has big things coming my way. Praise God. Well, notice also what he said about those big things coming our way. He says they come with persecution. They come with persecutions. They come with adversity. They come with battles. There are battles that we face in life. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of folks that have left a lot, given a lot up for the gospel's sake that have not received their hundredfold. And why is that? It's because the persecutions got to them. Remember what we were just talking about on Sunday over here in Mark chapter 4 about the stony ground, how the word of God is sown into a person's heart and if their heart is stony ground or shallow and they only have a superficial understanding of the gospel, they're in danger of losing what they have received and thus losing God's reward we're losing the promises of, that God promised them in their life. Notice here in Mark 4, verse 16, 
He says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, praise God. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or, or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. The persecutions keep them from the blessing that the word of God will produce in their life. I think we just got excited about over here in Mark 10 where he just said that uh, there's nobody that's not going to receive their hundredfold. We got excited about that. But then he said, with persecutions, and we understand here in Mark 4 that people have only continued so far with God because of the persecutions. The persecutions caused them to stumble, and thus they lost the reward that God planned for them to have. But what happens if you don't stumble? What happens if you stay steadfast? What happens if you stay in there? And you're not overcome. And you go deeper. You get rooted and grounded. Further in these promises of God. Well then what's going to happen? Then you're going to see a fulfillment. Of these amazing promises. From the Lord Jesus. You are going to see a fulfillment. Of all these promises of God. In your life. Amen. So the key is not to stumble. The key is not to be overcome by the tribulation or the persecution that arises. And one of the key ways to not be overcome by these things is to understand that battles precede blessings. Tell you what we say, battles precede blessings. Absolutely. It's a principle in the word of God because... Even this hundredfold return reward, this hundredfold reward, this hundredfold promise from God is with a battle. It's with a fight. It's with a fight. But if we fight the good fight of faith and we don't grow weary in well-doing, we shall reap. We shall reap if we don't lose heart. Man, it's worth staying in there. I said it's worth staying in there. Regardless of the kind of pressure, regardless of the persecution, regardless of the tribulation, regardless of whatever the devil might throw at you, it's worth staying in there. Jesus will make it worth it. How many people believe that? Jesus will make it worth it to you. And so you remind yourself of that. That's how Jesus endured the cross despising the shame. How did he do it? For the joy that was set before him. Because he had these promises out in front of him. And so that's what enabled him to be able to endure all that persecution. All that tribulation that he faced. It was for the joy that was set before him. You got to know what's set before you. It's important to understand the problems, the guarantees that God has made to us. And the reason why we don't see it come to pass in a lot of people's lives is because they don't endure to the end. They only go a little ways and then they wither away. Then they draw back. They fall away. 
they fall out of faith concerning the promises of God. We don't want to fall out of faith and just become a shell of a believer, an empty shell of a believer. Where there's no faith there, but bless God, we're still there in the chair. We don't want to just be there in the chair, just a shell. We want to be full of faith. Hallelujah. Full of excitement, full of perseverance, ready, believing, and confessing the promises of God. Hallelujah. Hundredfold returns coming to me. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. You got to use your mouth. You got to make confessions. That's what he talks about over in uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in verse 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith, lay a hold on eternal life. Eternal life, unceasing, absolute fullness of life does not come without first a fight. A fighting the good fight. Thank God for absolute unceasing fullness of life. Eternal life. How do we lay hold of that? How do we lay hold of that? Well, we just sit there and it just falls off. No. How do we lay hold of that? Fight. Everybody say fight. Fight. The good fight of faith. There's a fight that precedes. There's a battle that precedes. The blessing of eternal life. There's a fight for it. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Not just to yourself. Not just to yourself. I make my confessions. Are the people around you hearing those confessions? He says, having made that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, there's a lot of folks that should be hearing your confessions. Now, I understand you go walk around telling people out there that are unbelievers. They're not, you know, they're going, huh? But you got a lot of folks, a a lot of believers around you that wouldn't mind hearing your confession. Man, we should just be throwing the word back and forth at each other. Confessing the word of God. Especially when battles are raging in our life. When things are rising up in our persecutions, tribulations are rising up. That's not the time to go silent. That's the time to open your mouth and fight by confessing. By confessing the word of God. Making good confessions. Can you say amen? we got to fight if we're going to see God's promises come to pass in our life. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and watch this, Difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. So the path to life, the path to blessing is narrow, difficult. It's got struggles. 
We have to understand this. A, a lot of folks aren't ready for that. They just, whoo, thank God for the promises. Thank God for that hundredfold. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the rewards. And then persecution, tribulation, trouble, adversity, difficulty comes their way and they begin to fall away and go astray from the promises of God. The confession starts to get weaker and weaker. The confession begins to wither. How do you know? How do you, how do, how do you know that you, 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 your, your faith is withering? You're confessing. Your confessing is getting lower. Even to the point where nobody hears it. Are you ready for difficulty? Now, come on, you shouted about the hundredfold. What about the difficulty? Praise God. You need to get up in the morning and go, I love the smell of difficulty in the morning. Right? Just, just ready. Ready for the battle. Ready to take it on. Why? Because you're soldiers. Because <laughs> you're soldiers of light. You're warriors. You're fighters. It's what you are. You're ready. You're ready for a good fight. We're not afraid of the fight. Beyond the battle, whew, there's a blessing. And it's a big blessing. No, it's a big blessing. No, no, I know, I know about heaven. But in this life, there's a big blessing in this life. And in the life to come. And rewards standing before the throne of God. Hallelujah. Crowns and all kinds of things Jesus got for us. Over on the other side. But he's got things on this side too. If you endure and are ready to overcome. So you can get excited about the battles. You can get excited about the difficulties because of the life that's on the other side of it. The blessing that's on the other side of it. Over in Acts chapter 14. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says in verse 22 that he went around strengthening Went around to the churches, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, he's going to tell you how he encouraged them, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Notice that. He, he, he encouraged them, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. That's not talking about going to heaven. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. God's authority, God's righteousness, God's peace, God's joy. It's right here, right now. There's things for us to enter into in this life. And he says, how are you going to enter into it? How are you going to enter it? Going through a few tribulations. No, he said many. He said many. He said many. See, there's difficulties. There's trouble. There's tribulation. There's things that will try to stop us, try to keep us from what God has promised us. 
But God's promises are so real to us that we're not afraid to fight. We're not worried about it because no matter what we have to give up, no matter what we have to go through, Jesus is going to make it more than worth it. He makes it more than worth it. So let's just do it. Let's just go for it. Let's just go after the promises of God. God's got all kinds of promises for us here in his written word. And then there are prophecies that God has spoken over our lives. You know, we got a a beautiful prophecy right here on New Year's Eve that we were talking about this year of 2020 being the year of plenty. You tired of hearing that? When was the last time you said it? Got a couple today's. Bless your heart. Anybody else? When was the last time you said it? Well, Pastor, I haven't said anything about it. Well, you better start now. In the presence of many witnesses. Turn to a couple people and say, 2020 is my year of plenty. You tell a couple people, don't, don't just tell a few people. Thank God for these prophetic words. Thank God for these prophetic words. What do we do with them? Well, we sit back and just watch and wait and see if it's all going to come to pass. Right? We just got to sit back and say, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the pastor's a false prophet or not. We'll just wait and see if it all comes to pass. And I can guarantee you I'll be a false prophet in your life. It won't come to pass for you. It won't come to pass for you. Notice what he says over in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And in verse 18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Notice that. There were prophecies spoken over his life. Prophecies concerning him. And he says, Take those prophecies and use them to wage a good warfare. How do you do that? Speaking those prophecies out. Speaking them out. I, f- I have found myself just regularly going back at some prophecies that have been spoken over me that I knew were from God, you know. And I just start, I just start speaking them out. I, I, know, I know some of them by heart. And, uh, but just recently, I'm picking, uh, picking them up. And speak, I find myself speaking them out. Speaking them out. Saying, now, Lord, this is what you said. That's how you wage a good warfare. Because they're not just going to fall on us. You got to fight. You got to use the words, the prophecies, the promises that God has given you. You've got to use them like weapons against all the things that would try to come against you and keep you out of what God said he's bringing you into. You've got to speak up. You've got to begin to prophesy, declare, and share. Not just with yourself, but share with others. Get other people around you in faith about it. Get people stirred up about it. If you're stirred up about it, you should be stirring other people up about it. If you're excited about something, usually you talk. Usually you talk about what you're excited about. But if you're not that excited about it, I guess you don't say much about it. Well, if you don't say much about it, then you're not fighting very much. Well, then probably you're withering. You're probably withering. You're only enduring for a short time. And you're withering away. And the cares of this life are getting to you. 
the things that are contrary to what God has promised is getting to you. I'm just telling you, God's, God's stirring us up to stir ourselves up. And to pick up what he has said. Pick up his promises and start declaring them and declaring them boldly. That these are for you. They're for now in this time, in this life. This is our year. This is our time. We're not going to delay on this. We're going to get diligent about declaring these things and determined to have these things. And as we do, and the more stirred up we are, the stronger our faith is, I believe the faster we'll see these things come to pass in our life. Because we'll get through things faster. We'll get through the battles of life faster. You know? I mean, if you've got a wall of adversity, you know, and one of them's David, and, and one of them's Gordy, and one of them's Michael, and they're standing up here on the platform. And you got this, you know, you got this wall of adversity here. And <laughs> these little devils are going to do everything they can to keep you out of the blessing of God. And you're like, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, I'm blessed a hundredfold, hundredfold, hundredfold. Oh, God, get them off me. Right? Right? Is that going to work? You're not, you're not going anywhere. How are we going to get through these guys? Hundredfold! Hundredfold return! Hundredfold return! You guys got scared. (laughs) Amen. Then you could feel, you felt the atmosphere change around them when I gave them those eyes. They knew it was trouble because they knew I'm not stopping. So somebody's going to get hurt if somebody doesn't move. Right? And we're not afraid of pain. We're not afraid of pain. No pain, no gain. We're we're not afraid to suffer We're not afraid of the press. Come on, somebody. We're not afraid of the battle. We're not afraid of the difficult. We're not worried about difficulties. We're excited. We're excited about the blessing. We're excited about the king. We're excited about the glory that's on the other side of this difficulty, on the other side of this trial and test. We're going to have God's best. Amen. We're not going to be kept out of it. We're not going to let something stand in our way and keep us out of it. Well, see, we've got to rise up then, and we've got to declare. We've got to open our mouth. We've got to make our confessions. We can't be shocked that something's trying to stand in our way. We've got to understand battles precede blessings. You've got to fight. That's what a battle is. You've got to wage war. And it's a good warfare. It's a good fight. It's a confessing, a believing in the word of God and keeping that out in front of you that that's bigger to you than the trials and tests. But once the trial and test gets bigger to you than the promises of God, 
then that's when you're going to be overcome. We can't allow ourselves to be overcome. And you can, you can locate yourself by what's coming out of your mouth. You can locate where you're at by what's coming out of your mouth. Can you say amen? amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely. He swore by himself. This is God swearing by himself, saying, surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. See, there was a battle that preceded the blessing. And he had to have endurance. He had to have perseverance. He had to be willing to suffer in the flesh, pressing through to what God had promised and he did, and he saw God bring the promise, promises to pass in his life. He battled with years of barrenness, he and his wife, before being majorly blessed and multiplied. That was a battle for years that they faced. But glory be to God, they persevered. See, we've got to have the perseverance we got to have the determination. we got to have, I don't care how many people are trying to make a wall up here and trying to tell me they're going to keep me. I don't care how intimidating they act. What I believe is greater. What I believe is greater. And that will make you more intimidating. Now, not just Abraham endured before obtaining the promises. We saw Joseph. He had a prophetic dream, didn't he? He had a prophetic dream. But first, he found himself in a pit. Then a slave. And then in prison. Before next thing you know, he's in the palace. And he's one of the greatest rulers of the known world. How does that happen? It's God's promise. It's God's promise. And, you know, he kept that in front of him. He kept that, that vision, that, that dream stayed alive in him all through his time in, as a slave and his time as a prisoner. And that's why he ended up in the palace. Israel had a prophetic word through Moses of a promised land, right? But first they had to go through a wilderness to get to the promised land, and that first generation withered. They were scorched. They were scorched in the wilderness. They weren't supposed to be scorched by the wilderness. 
They weren't supposed to be destroyed by the wilderness, but they were destroyed by the wilderness because they didn't continue through the wilderness in faith. They didn't have that vision, that prophetic word in front of them. They just kept griping and murmuring and complaining. So they never, that generation never ended in. But the second generation, they caught the vision. And they went in and took the promised land. And as you read over there in the book of Joshua, you see that there was a battle that preceded every piece of land that they took. Now they took it. But they had a fight for every piece of ground. It was a good fight. They won. They kept their eyes on the Lord many times. None of the Israelites were killed and thousands of the enemies were killed. Thousands. Thousands of the enemy soldiers were wiped out. It was a good fight. Sometimes it looked like they were outnumbered, outpowered, but they put their trust in the Lord and they triumphed. They won. And they took possession of the promised land, but not without a fight. And there was a fight for every piece of ground. Can you say amen? Amen. And they succeeded, didn't they? They succeeded to conquer the land. Why? Because they were prepared to fight for it. That first generation, they they, they they, they just wanted to walk into it. They didn't want any fight. They didn't want any adversity. They didn't want to even go a day without water. Or food. They did not do well. They're, they were very fleshy. Very sensitive to, to their physical needs and wants. That's why they didn't make it. That second generation, they understood. We're going to fight. They were prepared to fight. And because they were prepared to fight, they easily defeated their enemies. If you're prepared to fight, you'll easily defeat your enemies. Can you say Amen. David battled Goliath and endured Saul before being king. He was anointed king. Samuel put the oil on him, said, thus saith the Lord, prophesied over him. And he still wasn't king. Next thing you know, there's a Goliath. And then after he defeats Goliath, even worse was that, was King Saul. You know, King Saul was worse than Goliath. Sometimes believers are worse than the heathens. They'll give you your biggest battles. But nevertheless, he endured, didn't he? He endured, overcame, and the promise was fulfilled. He became this incredible, prosperous king. How people know Jesus descended into hell before ascending to the right hand of the Father? He descended into hell before being resurrected to the right hand of the Father. He endured the cross before experiencing the glory of the resurrection. And we're walking in his footsteps. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that in the last days, the saints will battle in the great tribulation before entering the millennium. A thousand years of peace and demons all bound in the heart of the earth. That sounds great, doesn't it? The devil bound in the heart of the earth. But before the millennium, there's the great tribulation. And he who endures to the end will be saved. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God forever. Somebody say, I'm going to endure all the way to the end. No pain, no gain. 
That's what we had in our gym down in our basement, you know. That was one of the things we had written on the wall. No pain, no gain. If you want to gain, you got to be willing to have some pain. No guts, no glory. People want the glory. You say, glory, they go, woo! And you talk about battles, and they got no guts. I thought this was going to be a good message. You got to have the guts if you want to see the glory. I mean, 1 Peter says a lot about that. Why don't you go there? 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. He says in verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Notice that. Christ's sufferings and then glory. First the glory, first the suffering, then the, the glory. Then the glory. We all want the glory. But you see, why don't a lot of people have the glory of God on their life? Isaiah chapter 60, right? Arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And then the Gentiles, the heathen, will come running to your light. And they're going to bring their silver and their gold and all these things. That's what he says over in Isaiah 60. Well, why don't you see a whole lot of that? Because before the glory, there's the suffering. There's suffering. And when they're suffering, a lot of folks don't have guts. They don't have stamina. They don't have endurance. They don't, they don't, they, they don't, they don't overcome. They wither away. But not us. We're not withering. We're determined. Verse 14, he says, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, that's persecution, isn't it? Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Notice that the spirit of glory comes on you when you're going through persecution. See, we want more glory, but with glory, there's persecution. Persecution, battles, preceding the glory of God in our life. Notice over here in chapter 5, and in verse 1, he says, The elders who were among you I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. You know, I like what he says over in Romans, the eighth chapter. It says, the sufferings of this present time are not comparable to the glory that shall be revealed in us. No matter, no matter what kind of battle we face, no matter, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much suffering is involved in it, and, and persecution, you know, you can really cause a lot of suffering. But no matter how much trouble, no matter how much difficulty, no matter how much suffering there is, 
it is not even worthy to compare to the glory that will be revealed. The glory will be so much greater. The glory that manifested awesomeness of the Almighty will be so much greater. In verse 10 of chapter 5, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He's called us to this great glory. He's called us to these great rewards, these great promises, but they come after, after we've persevered, after we've endured, right? After we've fought the good fight of faith, waged a good warfare, pressed in, pressed through, then bless God, we're going to see the glory of God. We'll see the glory of God on me and you. Can you say amen? amen? Come on, God's called us as a church to carry his glory in these last days, guys. That's why this word. We're not over here having fairy tale ideas about what this means. Where we're just going to sit here and pray. Oh God, send your glory. Let your glory come upon us, God. Oh, we need revival. We need a great awakening. We need a move of this. You know how many people are praying that and have prayed that with no results? Because they're not enduring. They're not persevering in their personal lives. They're not overcoming the trials and tests of life, but they're withering and growing weary in their well-doing. And they're letting go of their faith. So that they might still, you know, be praying about it, you know, with the congregation, but it's kind of hollow. There's no real heartfelt faith behind it. It's just dead. Because they lost it. But, you see, if we know ahead of time, how to get there. That the enemy's going to throw up these fiery things. And he's going to try to throw up these roadblocks and these things to try to intimidate us, scare us, and tell us it isn't going to come to pass. If we understand that, then we can just get ourselves fired up, encourage one another, and just say, all right, man, come on, we're going to have this. We're going to have it come to hell or high water. It don't matter. God promised it. We're going to see it come to pass. We're going to walk in this greater glory. Hallelujah. I mean, the fire of God's going to appear on the roof of this building. It's going to be just like Dr. Dufresne prophesied. They're going to be lined up down the road. Not enough parking. People pulling over on the cider. Because of the presence of God, the glory of God. Has it happened in the past? Yes, it has. Does it happen all the time? No. Can it happen here? Absolutely. If you can endure this word, then you can do it. Can you say amen? If you're not afraid of suffering. If you're not afraid of doing what it takes. Having a mind to suffer. That's what he says over here in chapter 4 verse 1. 1 Peter 4 verse 1. He says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's how we resist temptation. We don't give in to sin. It's going to require some suffering. 
I said it's going to require some suffering. To walk in this righteousness of God. Listen, if if we want to have God manifest, he's a holy God. I said he's a holy God. So we need to walk in his righteousness. He's made us the righteousness of God. We need to walk in that righteousness. We need to walk holy even as he's holy if we're going to handle the holy things of God. If we're going to have his holy presence. If we're going to have his glory. If he's going to entrust us with this power and this glory. Then we're going to have to be a people that cease from sin. We cease from sin. We're not, we're not losing in the battles of life when temptation comes our way. We're not giving in. We're not caving in. We're not yielding to sin. We're not yielding to those desires that are contrary to Christ, contrary to to the truth. We're not giving in to what's wrong. We're fighting. We're resisting. And we'll suffer. We'll give up whatever we got to give up. We'll walk away from whatever we got to walk away from. In order to be holy, in order to be clean, that we might have this greater blessing, that we might have this greater glory upon our life, that we might have this hundredfold. A lot of folks don't want to give up stuff. There's things they don't want to give up to. It's their fun, it's their peace, it's their security. You know, there's all kinds of things that people cling to, hang on to, people, places, things, and they hang on to these things, not willing to let go of these things. Jesus says, if you're willing to let go of these things and suffer in the flesh to go without these things, he says, I'm telling you there's no one that does that, that does not get a hundredfold blessing in return. So if you do that and you continue to do that and you continue to go forward, suffering the flesh, resisting sin, resisting temptation, doing the right, rejecting the wrong, Fighting the good fight. Speaking the word. He says, you're going to see a hundredfold return. You're going to see the greater glory. Can you say amen? How many people know Peter did see it, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Oh, my. I mean, in one day. In one day, he stood up. Preached, and 3,000 people. Mothers and brothers and sisters. Were headed to the church. Right there on the spot. And they went from no names to big names. And they were those that were known for turning the world upside down. Come on, somebody. I mean, the church just grew and multiplied. Incredible things happened. But what came first? There was persecution. There was all kinds of tribulation and suffering in the flesh to get to that place. But was it worth it? Was it worth it? Oh, glory be to God. We're still talking about it today. We're a part of the harvest of what those men sowed. They're still, they're still reaping harvest on their suffering in the flesh. It was more than worth it. Come on. It's more than, is there a price? Is there a cost to following Jesus? Yes. But oh man, the rewards What comes as a result of enduring and pressing through those things to have him is more than worth it. And so we're choosing the greater. We're not going to choose the flesh and choose the the temporary thrill of the moment. We're going to be like Moses. 
What does it say about Moses in Hebrews, the 11th chapter? Verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Ooh, hallelujah. How many people are looking to the reward? Is it okay to look to the reward? Yes. You need to be looking to the reward. And notice the reward to him was so much greater than all the treasures of Egypt. How many people know he was right there in Pharaoh's palace? He could have had all the treasures of Egypt, but he chose something greater. And now he ends up in the wilderness and the glory of God is so on his life that his face is glowing with the glory of God. And he's meeting with God face to face on the mountain, having conversation with him, talking with God. Come on, somebody. Awesome. But notice what he gave up in order to have that. Was it worth it? How many people do you think would make that, that same choice? How many people would actually make the same choice? Not many. Not many. That's why he says many are called, few are chosen. Who are the ones that are chosen? Those who answer the call. Those who choose to answer the call. They're the ones who are chosen. So it's up to us. Are we just called to it? Or are we going to be chosen ones? Let's be the chosen ones. Let's be God's chosen ones. Let's be God's glory carriers in these last days. Let's not let the battles of the flesh, the things of the flesh, keep us from this incredible calling God has on each and every one of our lives. Let's make sure we walk in the fullness of the blessing of God that he has for us in this time, in this life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet. Let's thank God for the word tonight. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.